Welcome to episode 25 of 1530. My name is Ben. Matt can't be with us right now, but I want to go ahead and talk. start talking about the Australian Open 2020. We've had some great matches. We've just had the, the men's semifinals, so we know who's in the final. We have Dominic Team versus Novak Djokovic. So we're going to go through the numbers, especially starting in the round of 16, and we're going to go through each round. But today we want to kind of take a new spin um, on serves. So we've been talking about a lot in 1530 about crucial points, right? That's kind of the name of our podcast. It's built around that 1530 point, which is a huge swing in probability, right? If you're the one that's um, that's the returner and it's 1530, if you win this 1530 point, you'll go on to have two break points, which is pretty substantial. And if you're the server and you can level it at 30 all, we know servers usually have the advantage. Even at 30-all, most servers end up with, with winning the game. So besides an actual break opportunity, which, right, if it's add-in or add-out, whatever, it's 100% win probability swing once you win that point. But And and we talk a lot about those pressure points, those break points. But really, you know, in a game, 15-30 can be just as crucial in our minds as that break point. So kind of with that in mind, we're trying to look at stats in a different way. I'm going to talk about a new factor that we came up with, a new statistical measurement. It's called the serve factor. So I'll talk about what that is real quick. Serve factor basically is still utilizing those simple stats that are in the box score, specifically any serve stats like first serve in. So you take that as a decimal, you multiply the first serve percentage by the first serve points one. And then, and that's just a, a whole number. Then you'll add that to the whole number of second serve points one. And so that gets you a number. It could be over 100. And that is what I like to call the serve factor. So you say, okay, so what does it really matter? What does this number mean? Well, you compare it. So if uh, two people are playing, whether it's, you know, Djokovic and Federer, you can calculate Federer's serve factor and Djokovic's serve factor at any point in the match. But especially at the end of the match is what we're going to talk about. And then you can compare those two and subtract the two numbers and get a get a delta serve factor is what we call it. And so that it's really interesting. I'll, I'll, we'll talk about the pattern. I'm also going to post an article on cognitionsphere.com to kind of show this uh, on the Excel spreadsheet because it's a lot easier to visually see. But basically what we found is that straight set matches where it was very decisive, it was kind of more one-sided, the differential on the serve factor was close to 30 could be in the 20s, but 30 was a pretty standard um, one there. On a closer three-setter, might be more in the 20s on that differential. For a four-setter, that was, you know, maybe one set they lost, but after that, the the rest of the match was not that close. You'd see it in the 20s. Or a really close four-setter would be a difference of 10. And then the five-setters, you guessed it, it's a difference of 10 with really close ones being less than 10, maybe in, in the five range. So we're going to go through each of the matches, talk about some interesting statistics, and also talk about our new serve factor. It's a quick way if you have a calculator. Everyone has smartphones these days. And even in the middle of the match, once there's enough data, you know, there's been enough points played, you can maybe get a good idea of, of who's going to win. Even if the scores are close, someone hasn't broken yet. But you can see if the patterns hold, who is likely to win the match. Now, we will also talk about limitations of using the serve factor. So there's a couple matches that I didn't wasn't able to predict using this statistical you know, quick factor. It's easy to calculate, but there's a couple matches it wasn't able to predict, but it was majority it was able to work. So we'll talk about what limits it and why. So 
it's interesting, right? We're going into Super Bowl weekend here in America. Uh, on Sunday, the Kansas City Chiefs will play the San Francisco 49ers. Interesting, right? It's just one, one football championship, one, one world championship, right, for American football. And then the teams will go into their offseason and start building back up the regular season. Tennis, we're so lucky to have four Grand Slams, almost like having four Super Bowls. So we're excited to see how team can do against Djokovic. I think his chances are actually pretty good. Um, UltimateTennisStats.com, they're giving Djokovic a 75% chance based on ELO for for, team, or for Djokovic to beat team. I think it's a little bit better. I think I think team might have closer to a 40-50% chance of winning. He's beaten Djokovic the last few times they've played. The most notable one, the most recent one, was the ATP World Tour Finals in London. It was a very tight match, but team's been winning a lot of tight matches. We're going to talk about Dominic team. And he beat Djokovic at the French in another tight match in the semifinals and went five sets. And team came out on top as well. So I would favor Djokovic. This is his favorite court, right? Melbourne, he's he's going for his eighth title, which put that in perspective. The only people with more titles at Grand Slams are Nadal, French Open with 12, and Federer with eight Wimbledons. So Djokovic could equal Federer for having eight at one tournament. That'd be pretty amazing. But you can't count out Dominic team. But it's, it's been kind of a weird major, right? We've had Kyrgios kind of playing. He's been playing nice and played actually really well. And maybe part of that was him trying to raise the money for the... And doing a great job, in fact, of motivating other players and also him donating a decent amount of money because of the brush fires in Australia. And Alexander Zverev, right? He went really far. He made it to a semifinal of a major. I think he finally said that the pressure... He just kind of put the pressure to the side and just focused on playing good tennis and it showed his serving numbers were spectacular which the start of the season at the ATP Cup he was double faulting a ton so we'll talk about his turnaround as well so without further ado let's get to the numbers here so I'm going to pull up our spreadsheet here so interesting we did the same thing with the French Open so just to kind of remind viewers or listeners and maybe if you guys weren't with us back then we can we can help you out too so what we did is we had we wanted to calculate the differential for let's say breakpoints one. You know, was the winner were they winning ten percent more breakpoints? Um, what happened with net points? What happened with first serve points one? Right, and so Clay, you can imagine a first serve wasn't as big of a factor. The uh, on average, the winners were nine percent better on the first serve. The biggest factor percentage wise wasn't breakpoints, which is what I would have guessed. Breakpoints was nine percent. The biggest one was actually second serve points one. So not a huge, I mean, kind of a huge surprise, but still, it's again, it's not the first serve. So that's 12%. The winner was 12% better. And of course, you think about Nadal and how great he is at, especially at second serve return points one, or excuse me, second serve points one. And so it actually does make sense. Nadal's been epic at that. And the team has gotten better at that over the years too, which I think is helping his clay game. Then the next most important significant stat is the return points, 10%, which makes sense. And then one that we don't usually talk about, it's not usually readily available with all matches, but Grand Slams, you can get the numbers pretty easier. And net points, that one actually was 14%. The winners, the winner of the match on average won 14% more net points than, than, than their opponent. So actually, net points is the biggest, biggest one, but that one aside, your second serve points. So comparing that, so that was the French this, this last year. Comparing that to the Aussie Open though, it was not the same, and you would expect surface maybe be a little bit different. So first serves, it was 9%. That was a pretty big difference, but the biggest one was the breakpoints. 
how what I initially would have thought. And that's what we talk about a lot, that that's a lot of the statistical analysis out there involves breakpoints, kind of the formulas for predicting matches. And so that's why I also wanted to come up with something else besides the breakpoints. The serve factor working actually pretty good. So in the Australian Open on average, from the at least from the round of 16 onward, that the winners of the matches, they won 12% more breakpoints, 11% more net points. So net points are still up there, but just not as much as the French, which is which is interesting. First serve points one was 9%. Second serve points all the way down to 6%, which is pretty interesting. And return points down to 7%. So just to kind of give you an idea of which which numbers mattered on this hardcourt major versus the French Open. And then on my serve, um, call it the serve factor, usually the winner on average was 15 points better. Okay, so we're going to go through some of these serve factors. So first, round of 16, Djokovic played Schwartzman, right? Djokovic... Serving great all tournament. Schwartzman, kind of a smaller guy, didn't serve super well. Djokovic had 116 serve rating, which is pretty fantastic. Pretty spectacular. He was getting a lot of first serves in, and he was winning a majority of those points. And second serves, good as normal. And so their differential, because Schwartzman was 80-something, 84, was 32. 32 points. Again, going back to my original original um, statement that that was a straight setter, and that's what it was. It was a very decisive straight setter. The differential on their surf factors was 32. So that kind of goes with that. Federer played Fuskovic in the fourth round or in the yeah, in the fourth round. That was a fourth setter. He dropped the first set, but after that it was pretty decisive. So Federer's serve rating was surf, surf factor, excuse me, was 99. Fuskovic was 80. So the difference was, you know, close to 20. And that was a fourth setter, pretty decisive, which kind of goes along with that pattern that I Kind of just discovered that pattern by doing these analyses. Again, just always been wanting to have a singular number to kind of sort through the different service numbers. Because right, because you have people like Stan Wawrinka who they don't get a lot of first serves in, but when they get them in, they win a lot of points. And other players who have really high second serve percentages like Nadal, and then people with really high first serve percentage or first serve points won like Federer or Djokovic in recent years. So it's kind of nice to boil it down to one number to see overall how strong is their serve as far as points being won. And then you can compare that to their opponent. And by far and large, this predicted, let's see, so there's eight matches in the round of 16 for the quarterfinals. That's 12 plus two for the semis, 14 matches. So we're using this analysis, using, of course, the final numbers, if you didn't know who won the match, just looking at the numbers, you could tell 12 out of 14 times who won the match based on the surf factor formula. And like I said, even more than that, you could tell, yeah, if it's around 30, it was a straight setter. Around 20, yeah, probably a, uh, a four setter or a tight three setter. You could kind of figure that out. And then one thing that was also interesting with the surf, with the surf factor was just how just how kind of consistent as well like Djokovic you know not at every match but most matches was posting over 100 and so you could kind of see how how they ebbed and flowed as they went out so we'll, we'll keep going through the round of 16 Raonic great server a lot of aces he beat Chilich decisively 114 to 99 was Chilich's um serve factor and even though he won in straight sets it actually the score, it was closer than, than you saw. And another way you could back that up is by looking at, okay, how many total points won? Was that pretty close? 
And actually, the, the total points one was about 15 different, which out of 100 points, it's pretty 100 points for each guy. That's a little bit closer match than, than normal. So that was actually like a 16 differential. So kind of going into that, um, a closer straight setter. So maybe maybe slightly lower than the 20. Federer, or Sangren, excuse me. Sangren played Fognini, and he beat Fognini. It was a very tight four setter. Their serve ratings only had a differential of 10. And so going along with that tight four setter, the 10 kind of held up there. And Sangren, his, he had an amazing tournament. I don't know how he, he does it at the Australian Open. His second time to make the quarterfinals and was very, very close. Seven match points. That would be our start of the day if I would have started with that. The Fetters saved seven match points. It was so exciting to watch. But, I mean, he just kept getting out of jail. That was that was amazing. He had a lot. He had seven get-out-of-jail-free cards. Fognini, we just talked about him, got eliminated by Sangren. Vavrinka playing Medvedev. Oh, that was one of the best matches of the tournament. Five-setter, so many shifts of momentum. These guys, it was like as tight as you could, as you could be. Stan ended up winning nine more points, but I mean, it was out of almost like 300 total points played. So very, very tight match. The serve ratings even show this. The serve factors show that this was a toss-up. Stan's was 103.5 about, and Medvedev's, was, if you round it up, was about 103. So the differential was about 0.5, showing that this was a five-setter. Tight as all get out. But still predicted Vavrinka barely being the winner there. Next, Zvera beat Rublev. Rublev had a great tournament. The young Russian playing better and better. Um, his amazing attacking tennis. But Zverev did put him away in straight sets. Beat him by 29 on the serve marks. Because he had 91% first serve points one And 75% first serve points. Or first serves in. And second second serve points one. So you can, just, you can just see those three numbers are dominant. You put them together, you get almost 130 on the serve mark. The best, best so far that I've charted. Then we get over to team, which is slightly better, 131. So he had a great serve mark against Monfils, put him away very easily, almost 37 points differential in their serve factor. So you can tell that was not a close match. Team definitely put him away. Nadal had a great serve factor, 120. And Kyrgios didn't do bad himself in the 90s is great, 92, but still beat him by almost 30. So this one, I thought it was a closer four setter. The issue was is Curious won a couple tie breaks. So that was the that's the limitation really here is this doesn't do a very good job on tie breaks, right? If Nadal had served out a couple of those sets and not pushed it to a tie break, he would have won the set and the serve factor would have more shown the decisiveness. However, Curious was able to hold on and win some tie breaks. And so again, this one didn't necessarily fit with the pattern, but it still predicted the overall winner. And great for Curious, he put up a great fight. Okay, now going on to the quarterfinals. The first match that this did not do a good job predicting. Again, the tie breaks are what did it in. So it was Dominic Team against Nadal. Played an amazing match. Several tie breaks. It was a tight, tight four-setter. The points, Team only won five more points than Nadal. But if you look down at the serve factors, they were both very, very close. Team served with a 95-point serve factor, and Nadal had 100, exactly. And so it was interesting. The team just didn't get a lot of first serve in and second serve points. He just didn't win as many as Nadal. So those are the two things kind of bringing down his serve factors. So based on this, I would have predicted this would have been a five-set match, which it honestly easily could have been because team choked and wasn't able to serve out the fourth set. Nadal could have maybe forced the fifth set in that breaker. But again, there were several breakers played in this in this match. And 
so based on the surf factor, I would have predicted that all would have been a winner in a in a pretty tight five setter. And that was not the case. Okay, and then Zverev beat Wawrinka, Wawrinka, and that was a difference of about 12 points. So pretty tight. The I think the 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 issue here, even though it was a four setter. Stan kind of faded away toward the end. It wasn't super tight, but the first set Stan won very lopsidedly 6-1. And so I think that kind of led to this, it looking tighter than it was. So I would have predicted maybe closer to a five-setter or a very tight four-setter. It was a four-setter, but maybe not as tight as the score showed. So now we move on to Federer having seven lives against Sandgren. So this one had a serve factor differential of three points, 2.8. So Federer had a serve rating of 99, Sangren 96, about. So again, this predicted Federer winning barely, which I guess he did in the end because he forced a fifth set. So maybe the numbers kind of changed there because he did play a really good fifth set. But again, this predicted that this is a very, very tight match, which indeed it was very tight. Sangren played amazing, and Federer a little bit hobbled by the injury. Okay, moving on. Djokovic versus Raonic. Djokovic put him away pretty good. It was straight sets. The differential and serve factor was almost 20. So maybe not as decisive as that, that 30-ish mark, but I know he did. There was at least one set with a breaker in it, but he put Raonic away. And it was amazing that he won more first serve points than Raonic. He won 80, 86% of his first serve points to Raonic's 72%. You think Raonic being such a great server... But I know it's against Djokovic being the great returner. So Djokovic just keeps dialing up these these serve numbers. I think his serves, he's, he's able to hold comfortably, which has allowed him to, it's paid dividends for him. So moving on to that semifinal match, which was very interesting start anyways. Federer versus Djokovic. Federer came out swinging. He was up 4-1, to one, had a love 40 lead on Djokovic's serve. One point away from going 5-1 and then potentially serving out for 6-1, but... Djokovic was able to hold there and break and then take it in a tiebreaker in the first set. Totally changed the match around. Federer obviously physically not doing the best, but he was swinging for the fences, so good, good to see him act, put a great effort there, out there. And then this one, numbers that stand out here. I mean, 92% net points won by Djokovic to Federer, 67%. I mean, Djokovic didn't go to net a whole ton, but when he did, he was putting the ball away. Yeah, it was amazing. And the thing that really did Federer in was second serve, right? He was just more hobbled, had to rely on those three points. He only won 42% second serve points. Then Djokovic was winning 54%. So overall, the serve marks, Djokovic again over 100, 107, which is the exact same numbers he had against Raonic, to Federer's 84 or 85. So a little lackluster there. Difference of 22, that kind of predicts a, a, a straight sets, fairly decisive. So now we go to the other match that was not predictable as far as these numbers, or as far as these serve factors go. It was Team Zverev. So Team was favored coming in. He had some good wins over Zverev. But even though Zverev came in serving very hot. And the numbers show this on the serve factor. He had 81 first serves in. So for a guy that was, had double faulting problems, he really figured out how to get his first serve in, which is amazing. And he won 68% of those first serve points. And served and won 50% of his second serves, which was better than team on all accounts except for the first points won. First serve points won at 77%. So overall, the serve factor for Zverev was 105, 
versus about 92 for team. So a differential of about 13 and a half. So this predicting a very tight four setter or a, or a five setter, but it predicted the wrong winner. It should have had Zverev winning based on this. And it was funny because I was watching or looking at a little bit at the scores. I was This is one of the few matches I didn't watch much of. I went to bed. But before I went to bed, I was like, ah, they're, they're tied up on sets. But based on the little quick surf factor, and let, if, assuming the numbers don't change much, you know, team is losing this barely, you know. But it was around 10-ish, I think, was my differential. And so I kind of thought about that. I was like, well, team's broken this a little bit already himself. He was the other match that I, that wasn't predictable. So, And again, there was some tie breaks, two tie breaks to close it out. So maybe just the moral of the story, this thing can predict straightforward matches that are not determined by the tie breaks. I did it just for fun, obviously, with the Roger Federer-Djokovic match from Wimbledon this year. And of course, I mean, Federer was better in every statistical category by quite a bit. And so again, this predicted, but at the beginning here, this predicted Federer, well, Federer had a serve factor rating of 101. Djokovic is 93, so both guys actually had great serving days, but that differential being about eight. So predicting a tight, a very, well, more of just a five-setter or an extremely tight four-setter. But again, it doesn't take into account those tie breaks that, that Djokovic won three of to claim his his Wimbledon crown over Federer, another Wimbledon crown over Federer, so... Pretty interesting, the surf factors. Hopefully we can continue to, to utilize those as a tool and we'll see what happens in the in the final. But if there's more tie breaks there, team might throw us off again. But it was a it's it's a thing that we'll we'll kind of be dabbling in a little bit here. And it's a it's a convenient metric. So like I said, it's easy to calculate and hopefully it tells us a little bit more about, about someone's game and how they match up, right? You think about you think about people on opposite opposite ends of the spectrum you know even even someone that's a big server like Raonic well if Djokovic is having a better server rating he'll clearly be the winner or two really good returners like maybe a Schwartzman and you know another good returner Millman or someone so it's kind of cool to see that but at the end of the day really differentials what matters in determining the determining the victor I was also reading a stat of why first serve percentage is generally greater than 50% for the pros. So the thing we talked a lot about this tournament, especially looking at Stan, like, oh, this is always lower, or, you know, Zverev is a lot higher than normal. So they've modeled, um, someone did a paper modeling risk versus win percentage for a given service point and found it was not a linear relationship. It's actually quadratic. At some point, you, you're taking too much risk, and that leads to more faults. So the win percentage has to peak at some point, has some sort of maximum. And so overall, it was calculated around 60-ish percent based on the data that they utilize in this paper, but recognizing it can change based on the characteristics of that player. And so I guess, and it makes sense, but let's do a case study. So let's do the most extreme case study. Let's do Isner, John Isner, the American, great server versus Schwartzman. Very, very short, but very good returner. So Isner doesn't have to serve as risky as Schwartzman to produce an ace, right? John's game is built around really good serves and aces. So John Isner can more easily produce an ace. He's a lot taller as well. So I would expect Isner's optimum first serve percentage to be lower than Schwartzman. A shorter player known for his movements, fierce rallies, but definitely not his serves. But Schwartzman is better. He would be better off getting his first serve in rather than trying to overhit to try and achieve an ace. Because you think about it, even if Schwartzman 
is putting in a lot to try to get an ace. Probably not going to get it anyways, but the, the, there's a risk at some point where he's going to be hitting more second serves, and that's putting him more on the defensive, right? We we know players more often win their first serve points, even if their serve is not as strong, just because of the surprise factor and the power factor, because he's still going to hit it harder than his second serve. Rather than Isner, he might want to risk it a little bit more because a little bit more risk could lead to an ace. And worst, worst case, his second serve is not bad either. He's got a great second serve kick serve. So, yeah, I thought that was interesting kind of doing some research and and also applying it to a real, a real world application here. So, want to give you guys some some sneak peek looks at, at what we want to cover next. So, obviously, we'll be dissecting Australian Open and who wins it would be interesting, right? We have another young gun in the final. We have team in the Australian Open final. We had Medvedev in the U.S. Open final. And we had team in the French Open final. So, the, the big four, obviously, they've been there. The big three, I guess now, have been in the finals, but they both haven't been in the finals since Australian Open last year with Nadal losing very decisively to Djokovic. So I wonder if that'll continue to be a pattern if we'll, or if we'll see just like Wimbledon and we'll see Federer and, and Djokovic. I guess Wimbledon, it was Federer and Djokovic. Big four just dominating in the in the tournaments. So yeah, yeah, we'll be talking about how the young guys are looking the rest of the year because already start of the year, they've looked looking pretty good and have a good chance to win one here. I think there's a great chance, even though Djokovic is an all-time great down under in Australia. But we also want to talk about in the next episode, I believe, we want to discuss Djokovic versus Andy. So Andy Murray has lost four Australian Open finals. Djokovic has won all of them. Their games, right, I mean, Grand Slam-wise, so 16 for Djokovic going on 17. Murray's three. But really how they've been so similar in their upbringing. And their games are actually very similar. But just how Djokovic was able to make a little bit more more use of his talents and able to maximize it, I guess, to, to, to win more. So we want to look at the numbers to see, does that, does that really support it? Do they have similar statistical strengths and weaknesses? And if so, you know, how much better is Djokovic? Is it like by 10% better than Murray or by 1% or 2% or basically the same? And he's just maybe a little bit more clutch. So I think that that'll be something very interesting. We've kind of looked into those numbers so we want to cover that the next episode. I don't know if we'll see Andy Murray again at his at his best full health, but we we hope he makes a speedy recovery. He looked okay at the end of last year. He was definitely looking better. He won that title against Stan in the Netherlands, I think. At the end of the season, it was a small tournament, but still it was very, very positive sign for Murray. Yeah, as always, please find us on CognitionSphere.com. Like I said, I'll try to be posting an article so you can more, so you can understand the surf factor a little bit better, especially for those of us who are more visual, can see the data. And we have our theme music brought to us by Kevin MacLeod with excerpts, excerpts from his song, Cool Rock. And until next time, we'll see you guys on the court. <laughs>